Well, good morning, Brazos Valley. You are listening to Red Sea Roundup, and this is your host for the day, Pam Marvin. Joining me in the studio live atop the St. Mary's Student Center is today our producer. <laughs> laughing at me. So Thaddeus. dramatic. I know. I have a flair for that. Fast I don't know if you noticed bullets. that. I, I, I like that. Just liven things up, man. I, lo- I love it. It's great. And... Matt Rice. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me. Oh, Glad gosh. to be here. I'm so excited. As we were talking off air just a little bit ago, I was saying that... Um, the one, the only. The one, the only. Come on, you got to keep that only. dramatic. Right. Oh, oh I got to give... There are, there are other Matt Rices out there. <laughs> I'm the one and the only one in Bryan College Station currently. <laughs> well, I, you know, I have to give a little history because I think it's, it's cute history of how I first met Matt... He was Mary Marvin's theology teacher at St. Joseph's School. Like That's when right. You, was when it a parent-teacher first... conference that we first met? Oh, or... No. Was it no. when Mary was in trouble? Or... Uh, no. You met her after the trouble part. Because <laughs> it was like freshman year, freshman year. I think yeah. it was. Mary Marvin was in trouble? Oh, mercy me. Her eighth grade year was riddled. She, she made history down there. She always had strong opinions. Very much so yeah. and still does. And luckily, they're all geared in the right direction That's right. right now. That's right. This is awesome. It's, it's, it is yeah. great. Was that your first like gig here in town? Yes. Yeah, that was the first thing like coming in town. Um, getting set up there as the IT director at the school and, you know, uh, teaching the freshman theology class. It was interesting because I came from youth ministry thinking that teaching was going to be like ministry or could be like ministry. And it, it may be a ministry, but it's not anything like youth ministry. Mm. And so I, I learned that year that I was made for youth ministry. Right. Not very teaching. cool. It's part of your path. Mm-hmm. That's very Absolutely. cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad that our paths crossed. You were really blonde back then, too, if I remember correctly. Maybe. Yeah, he was. Let me spend more time are outside. Are you accusing him of dyeing his hair? <laughs> no, no. Spending too much time I'm, indoors I'm now. I'm gray now. I'm gray now, yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, for just a second, though, I want to talk to um, Thaddeus. We're hoping for a call in today. We'll see if he, he calls us. We're hoping to talk to Jess Fields, if possible. But I want a little update on um, our benefit that's coming up. Yeah. I, I hear benefit the spots are starting. 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about our speaker. We're going to have... The dynamic deacon, Harold Burke Sivers, come and speak to us on the intersection of the family, the mother of God, and the rosary. And we're going to do a Marian theme for the benefit. Oh, Because it's only, it's October 19th. Okay. Thursday, October 19th at St. Thomas Aquinas, 630 to 9. That is six days after the centenary of the last apparition of Mary at Fatima. Right. Oh, very, very So cool. I thought it was just absolutely appropriate to do a Marian theme and kind of make the Mother of God the center of the occasion. So that's that's kind of the direction well, we're going in. on that note, I'm going to like reveal a little hook. What does it call you? Like a, the hook to get people to listen to my next show. I was, like I'm a teaser. Very, a teaser, that's it. I was, I'm very excited to say that um, I'm going to have Father Brian McMaster Come on the show because my Excellent. next show actually airs on the Feast of the Assumption. So we're going to do a little pre um, pre recorded section. But as you know, he is has a beautiful Marian heart, mm-hmm. and I just want to mm-hmm. be able to get in there yeah, and that's look around a little bit and, and then uh, hear. About I've it. already got. We're going to have Deacon Harold Burke on with um, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Our Excellent. dynamic deacon. So we're going to have our, our dynamic mm-hmm. deacon with the dynamic deacon on October third. Excellent. Okay, up. I'll let I'll let Mike do that. Yeah. Okay. okay I, I yeah. didn't get the interview, but you know, 
I love you, Mike. Yeah, I love him so much. Okay, uh, so anything else we want to talk about? Matt, you got some events coming up? Well, first, can I like like highlight the improvements you guys are making you know here in the office it's amazing i mean you changed from a pizza box that diverts <laughs> the air conditioner to plexiglass it looks so much hey, better hey don't let people in on <laughs> that we had a pizza box before sorry <laughs> no it's much nicer because now it doesn't blow cold air right on the uh, producer's chair there you go it used to blow directly onto the equipment mm-hmm. from what i remember anyway mm-hmm. So events coming up, yeah, we've, we have Revive, September 9th uh, coming up. We've, we moved it from the spring event to a fall event, sort of a kickoff the, of the year. Um, so we're excited about that. That's coming up September 9th, and we're actually holding it in downtown Bryan at the Palace Theater. Oh, sweet. The Outdoor Palace Theater there, which I think will be really neat. Very You know, neat. to be sort of a, a public witness, you know, to the faith in downtown Bryan. Yeah. And so that'll be like a, a, new, a unique experience, and we'll see. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what God does with that. Oh, I would so. love to see some praise and worship music at First Fridays, man. Yeah, that would be really neat, too. Very cool. Yeah. We really enjoyed it. I took Annie down there, and she enjoyed it so much. I mean, we were early, you know, five o'clock, but just walking around, got a little henna doing mm-hmm. that. They have jazz bands playing, just really neat, good mm-hmm. stuff. So I'd love to hear some praise and worship. It'd be really neat to see, you know, if we got some, you know, really missionary minded people, you know, out and, you know, and active in at First Friday to see what they could come up with. You know, I've seen, you know, other festivals like this where you have a confessional set up in the middle of of, uh, something like this. And it just could be a really beautiful place to to bring people back to the church. I think so. So. I I love that idea. You know, it it doesn't bode well during football season, I'm going to say. Friday night lights are pretty important to a lot of folks. Even on first Friday. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) even on first Friday. But count me in if you have something going on. Love to plug it. Um, But tell me again who the the presenters are for the, was it Ignite? No, what were we just talking about? Revive. 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 Um, Dave Moore is a staple. Um, He's at almost all of ours. We love Dave. Um, And so he'll definitely be there. Um, And I know that we have uh, Gina Bauer coming in um, to speak. And sadly, I didn't come with the lineup in front of me. So those are the two that I know off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure that we have one of our our, uh, missionaries. Sammy, uh, sorry, Sam, Samantha Shepard, uh, she's going to be presenting as well. She's the Good. high school youth minister at St. Joseph. Yeah. And she's a lot of fun. I mean, oh. she's, yeah. So it's, it's going to be a great event. We'll have, uh, we'll have mass, you know, there yeah. at the, at the palace theater, which is uh, it on Saturday evening, which I like mass and adoration. in How can I not do this? Right. Just so, so what's cool. the age group? What's the age group? This is for uh, junior high and high school, I believe. Yeah, um, that's that's what so, I've seen. But I'm like, is it appropriate for the middle schoolers? Seventh really? grade, seventh grade on up. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, and so it uh, it is. Um, it absolutely is. We we have a lot of fun. Um, it's a it's a good way to like kickstart or revive our faith, and that's the purpose. That's right. why it's called revive. And so, give us the date on that one more time. September 9th. September 9th. So it's coming up. It's just yeah. a few weeks away. Yep. And I believe we have a caller. Do we not? Jess is calling in. What happened? His phone call keeps dropping. He must be having some phone troubles. Okay, well, we'll wait, Jess, if you can call us. Uh, we're waiting to get to visit with you a little bit. That'd be great. Um, so, yeah, we've we've got um, – I have to say that my kids – I'm going to get to talk on Taylor's show next week. I'm very excited. Um, He's having a lot of fun with that. I, and and, I, I get yeah, it. I yeah. totally get it. Um, hats off to him to do it every single week. That's challenging. Yep, absolutely. Um, I only do it once a month. Love my once a month. <laughs> um, find it even challenging then to, to, to line up. Yeah, but 
not even so much make the time, but really to schedule people on a regular uh-huh. basis to come in that close to my heart and so forth. And so I'm hoping to have on the Minkies in September, All right. um, which I had to pl- uh, misplace them a little bit, but I'm hoping to get them back on in September to talk about health as, yeah, as it relates great. to the human person too. Cause and how long, sorry, go ahead. No, I had um, Donna Hannes on a few weeks ago, Matt, really neat lady. She's a naturopathic doctor. Okay. And we just talked about how you can't really separate your physical and your spiritual health. Yep, absolutely. And trying to get people really back on that, that same, uh, know that they're so intertwined like that. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping to have her back on too. Yeah. How long have you been doing your show? Gosh, I've been doing this since it's, I helped Megan out when she started it mm-hmm. from time to time, like once a month. So how long has this Roundup been on? Five years? Four years? So, yeah, you know, that's exciting to uh, to be. I haven't been on this show for three years. That's a, that's a long time. <laughs> Sorry <right>. about that. <laughs> right. Sorry, folks. We're having a te- little bit of technical difficulties this morning. Um, we're hoping to talk to Jess Fields. He is um, kind of, I, I call him my little current events guy because he really has his pulse on all things um, of our, on the national, state and national scope. And um, there's been a lot of stuff shaking up here at the Supreme Court, what they're going to hear, what they're not going to hear. And I kind of want to get his take on it. I've been hearing on... Um, you know, relevant radio, um, some bits and pieces here, but I kind of want to get Jess's take on it. Mm-hmm. And Matt, again, if you have anything you want to ask Jess, please pipe in because he's just a really fun and ener- energetic. Follow him on Twitter, folks, if you don't, because yeah. he's, yeah, he's pretty fun. And he's hooked me into some pretty cool people to follow as well that are politically uh, minded and very Christian as well. So awesome. really love that aspect too. Yeah, hopefully that works out this morning. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, with Matt, we're going to be talking about the convocation. So I may go ahead and just um, get you to explain what a convocation is sure. to start that right now before we get to Jess. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I uh, We had to look it up on the way there. Yeah, okay. like Bartlett and I were like, what is this? Like, what is a convocation? Um, the interesting thing about like us even leading up to going to the convocation was I didn't know about it. And a mm-hmm. lot of people didn't know about it before it was happening. Um, I was on the phone with the uh, you know president and founder of Net Ministries, talking to him about recruiting for a blaze and whatnot, and uh, and like as we were getting off the phone, he said, "Hey, let's meet up at the convocation," and I was like, "At what? You know what's going on?" And so then it led me to search, you know, Joy of the Gospel convocation, and so this was just a month before the convocation. Really? And I was like, "Well, you know, this would be awesome to go to. I, I want to go to this." And so I, I checked with my wife, I checked with my staff to see if it would be even prudent for me to, to try to go. And green lights all around. And so I was like, okay, you know, let's see if we can get invited. Yeah. Um, the diocese had already formed their delegation, and so I couldn't necessarily be a part of their delegation. So I had to get invited myself, you know. And so that was interesting. So I submitted like the first email to say, hey, can I be invited? Never heard back. So then, you know, I you know, started tapping my friends that, you know, had connections um, and Marcel Lejeune, you know, connected me with uh, the director for youth and young adult, I think, mm. at the USCCB. And so he was able to uh, basically invite Ablaze to attend the convocation as, you know, a Catholic organization. And so then, you know, Chris Bartlett and I got to sign up. And like at that point, it was like, Chris is like, what are we going to? I have no idea. You know, I don't know what it is. Wow. But we can dive more into this later. I think Jess yeah. is on the line. No, yeah, no, I really want to hear more about it. Yeah. Jess, are you there? Hello? Hello, can you hear us? Good morning. Hey. Hi. Good morning. Hey. How are you? Doing good. Um, just, uh, you know, 
ready to go on the Supreme Court. Sorry, we had some trouble getting getting on the line, but um, but whenever you're ready, we'll, let's go. Okay, well we got about five minutes, Jess. Um, so Good. just tell me your top one, two, three. Like, what is going on that we need to is a is a Christian community in the Brazos Valley? What's the most important thing you think we need to know about what's going on up there at the Supreme Court stuff? Good. I'm going to give you four. I'm going to give you fast. <laughs> okay. number, number one is that Judge Gorsuch is awesome. He is very much like Annalyn Scalia in every way. Oh, that's uh, such good news. He's ruled in a very conservative manner, and he's actually written seven individual dissenting opinions um, by himself, which is twice as many as Elena Kagan, who was Obama's liberal appointee, did in her first two years on the court. So he's been very wow. active in his couple of months. By the way, I want to encourage anybody to go and look. You can look up all these cases on www.oyez.com. It's Oye. It's what they used to say at the beginning of court cases, Oye, Oye. But you can look them all up on oyez.com, all these cases. So let's hit three real fast. Number one is there was a case called Trinity Lutheran out of Missouri. This was a case where a school that was affiliated with a church was applying for scrap tire parts to be used in a playground, like as a base for a playground, you know, like some playground sure, that sure. tire, that rubber. And they were denied the uh, participation in the program because they were a church, because Missouri had in their constitution something that said no religious institution can get state funds. And so this was interpreted by the agency there in Missouri to mean that. And it went uh, up to the Supreme Court. Actually, the, the church lost at every level until it got to the Supreme Court. And then in a 7-2 to two decision, including a couple of the liberal justices, uh, they won that case and won the right to participate in the program. Now, this is really important because we talked about before, uh, you know, the importance of Christians uh, kind of being able to stand their ground in the culture and in society, particularly with, with all these secular uh, you know, strains that are moving through our culture and how that will affect government programs, I think this case will allow for a foundation going forward that we can say, no, you know, if you have a religious organization, you have just as much right to participate in government programs as anybody else, because you're paying taxes, you're participating in society, so they can't deny you because of that. Now, on the flip side of that, on the more negative side for Christians, was a case called Pavan v. Smith, this was a case that involved two lesbian couples, and in Arkansas, the law was that if you were uh, born of married parents, then both parents uh, were on the birth certificate, even if the husband was not the biological father. This went up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court basically uh, said that Obergefell v. Hodges, which was the gay marriage legalization case, applied in Pavan v. Smith. So in other words, now uh, it is essentially the law of the land, although I'm sure it'll be fought more, uh, that if you have a same-sex marriage couple, uh, that both uh, names will appear on uh, the birth certificate uh, of a child born through artificial insemination. And the reason that's important is very simple. Obviously, when we see these institutions that are changing, um, it changes every facet and every iteration of that institution including, in this case, uh, the birth certificate itself. And the final thing I would mention is we all are familiar with the case of the bake shop that refuses to bake a wedding cake uh, for a gay couple. That case out of Colorado, it's called Masterpiece Cake Shop, uh, is actually now been taken up by the Supreme Court and will be heard in the next term, probably the most important court, uh, case for religious liberty in our lifetime, 
And uh, we will be watching that, and, and certainly I'm sure we'll be talking about it more as, as time goes on, Pam. But that one okay. is really more important than any of these, because if a business owner can't abide by his religious values when he's practicing his business, we really are going to be in serious trouble more than we even may be now. But Gorsuch has been doing a great job, and those cases are the important ones. Hope that hope that got it done for you within, I think, less than five minutes. It's kind of a record for me. Yeah. <laughs> I always love having you on, Jess. It just it, it just makes me happy to, to know someone like you that really has your your finger on the pulse of what's going on on in state and national matters like this. And so I feel real blessed to have you as a resource and, and appreciate you um, keeping us in tune with this stuff. So you doing right? The family doing well? Yeah, doing great. You know, we're now expecting a little boy. In October, <gasps> you are? So, oh, Jess, yeah. congrats, so, dude. Sorry, you. I said dude. And I'm old. <laughs> no, that's okay. Dude is fine. Uh, dude is fine. So, um, you know, uh, uh, we're really excited about that. Uh, my wife doesn't think it's funny when I joke that the name of the son could be Zerubbabel, which is one of the lineage of Christ. I, I think that would be an interesting name. But, oh, my gosh. Uh, kind of kidding. Uh, you and Paul. But anyway, no, we, I know. We have a lot of jokes. But, yes. uh, no, uh, uh, I'm really excited. We're going to have a little girl and a little boy, and uh, what a tremendous blessing. Um, and I hope God is, is blessing y'all's family as well. And thank you again for allowing me the opportunity to come on, and I'll see y'all next month. Yes, I'd love that. And you know what? I would love to see you at our big benefit that we're having in October. You can come as a, a radio station guest. I'm going to go out there on a field, on, on a limb, Thaddeus, and invite Jessica. You can invite him. Yeah. yeah. Please do. <laughs> We'd love to have cool. you and come see what's going on with uh, the radio station and how we're growing and everything. I'd love to have you be a part of that. Would love to. All right, it's 918. I hope everybody, yeah, I hope everybody supports the ministry, and, and uh, thank you guys for what you do. Y'all have a blessed week. Thanks, Jess. We'll talk later. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. And that's Jess Fields, but we're going to go to a break right now. Thaddeus is anxious, so let's get that done. If you're just now tuning in, uh, you are listening to Red Sea Roundup on KEDC and other radio stations throughout the Brazos Fall at KYAR in Waco and now in Palestine, 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 Palestine. 107.9 KINF. KINF, man, I get it. You guys are growing, man. This is exciting. We are. Growing, growing. Very, very cool. I'm very excited. It's come Holy Spirit, man. You invite him to a party. He usually shows up. <laughs> um, so I want to thank Jess. Thank you, Jess, so much for coming on. Uh, appreciate that. Sorry we had to rush you out a little bit. But um, and when the Supreme Court's calling, I mean, you got you to gotta go. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's just like what the Pope calls. Mm-hmm. 
But Matt, you started talking about, you know, um, right before the, we got on with Jess, you were saying how you had to kind of solicit an invitation to get out there. In my little, my little brain, it's like Matt was handed this great invitation because of his cool, awesome ministry, which it is. Thank yeah. you. I really love it. Uh, but that's not, it wasn't that easy. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't that easy. But it was, it was still like, there's no doubt that it was Holy, Holy Spirit invi- inspired, you know, sure. and orchestrated because it wouldn't have happened in that shorter period of time mm-hmm. had it not been you part were meant of God's to be will. There. Absolutely. Sure. There's no doubt that, that we were meant to be there. And it was really exciting to, to see that happen. I mean, Chris, Chris Bartlett, you know, um, with Next Level Ministry came with us and uh, he was mowing his lawn when I called him. And I said, wow. hey, you want to go to Florida in a week? And he said, what? <laughs> and so, like, again, with his family, it worked out. With my family, it worked out. With each of our ministries, it worked out. And so it was actually really beautiful. So we're sitting on the airplane, like on the way to convocation, to the convocation. We're like, what is this thing? Like, what is a convocation? Mm-hmm. And so we had to like even Google that. And it's basically just an, an assembly of people. I mean, oh, so it's a real simple, okay, you know, okay, kind okay. of definition. Um, but like, the thing that made it just amazing, it was, the, it was the assembly of all of the Catholic leadership in the entire nation. That's amazing. Which is just like, yeah, amazing. You know, so you had... Which I thought was amazing. So you had 3,500 Catholics, but these are Catholics in leadership. So these are, um, yeah, movers and shakers, if you will. Um, and out of that, you had around 100, 150 bishops, you know, that were there, which was really neat. And, you know, and then on top of that, we had, you had multiple cardinals, um, at least, you know, four cardinals. And so the, like one of the coolest masses I've ever been to was that mass with that, with those people. I think the only way to up that is to be at the Vatican, you know, and have the Pope there. Wow. Um, and so that's, it was really neat, you know, really amazing Pretty to powerful. see. Yeah. To, I mean, so it was a convocation. All of them con celebrating that mass were they all? No, no. Like, like, well, and uh, like the bishops, yes. Um, but the, uh, the and there were like hundreds of other priests sure, as well, sure. you know, so that was another thing I didn't mention. Yeah. Hundreds of priests. 150 bishops or so, um, and then four cardinals all at that mass and celebrating that mass. And so that was, yeah, pretty powerful, mm. you know, yeah. Were our hometown so. heroes there, Condrilla and Sis? Condrilla was not there, um, but Sis was. Yay! Yeah, and uh, Eamon was actually there, oh, our, our old yes. bishop, you know. Um, and our, our Yeah, that's right. And our two um, bishops were there. Excellent. So both bishops, wow, yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to take a second to say, if you have any questions for Matt as we're talking, um, or even for Thaddeus and myself, please call us at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA, 855-683-7332. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we just want to hear what's on your heart and mind. If you have questions about the convocation or things, all things Brazos Valley, just uh, let us know. And we're talking with Matt Rice of Ablaze Ministries. Ablaze Ministries, yep. right. Right. So, yep. okay, so convocation. So you head out. All divinely inspired, and so was it like just a conference where you had different breakout talks? You could choose which to go to or not. It was it was a little different than a typical conference, um, but the uh, like I, I, I keep thinking like the small details you know about the trip are interesting to me. So on the way out there, we flew southwest, and I hadn't flown southwest in a really long time. And Chris and I were in like the C group, and so we were getting on the plane at the la- like the last group. And the likelihood to get two seats together is minimal at that point. Um, the first flight, we got two seats together in the exit row. 
which was like, what? Like, this is weird. <laughs> you know, and then we got two seats together again on the second flight on the way out there. It was like, this is like not normal. But it gave us a chance to talk, uh, yeah. you know, and make a plan for, you know, what was what we were going to do at the convocation, which was just like small things like that that I think are really interesting with what God does. Um, and, uh, we, we get there. Marcel is actually, um, gracious enough to wait for us in the airport to give us a ride, you know, to the hotel. Um, so that was really nice. We all, the three of us got to talk about kind of what we were hoping, our expectations. And whenever you get that many Catholics together, you have a little hesitancy, like no, no matter where you are in the church, the church is huge. I mean, the umbrella of the Catholic church is, is massive, you know, and, um, you like every so often when you go to a conference like this, you kind of expect them to, and for lack of a better term, to pander, you know, to all the different types of Catholics that there are, you know, and and try to make everybody happy mm-hmm. with the types of presentations. But this was uh, like the focus of this was so um, so Christ centered, so evangelistic centered that it actually like it it hit everybody. Like the, mm. just the fact that they were focusing on being missionary disciples, mm. and that all of us are called to do that, no matter if you're. Big, big passion is social justice. You know, um, and this was one of the things that Chris mentioned. He said it, this conference did a really good job of bringing the pro-life Catholics together with the social justice, justice Catholics. Mm-hmm. You know, even though they're all the same thing, you know, we're all doing the same thing. But if we don't love Jesus, like none of that matters, you know, to a certain extent. You know, it all comes from that relationship, that love, you know, of Jesus. And that was what the focus of the conference was, which was just beautiful. You know, mm. was there like a, a, a stead theme that they would like? You know, an underlying theme that they said. I mean, missionary discipleship yeah, is missionary is discipleship. the term okay. that they used okay. throughout the the whole convocation, um, and that we're all called to that. Um, and and it that was, looks so different because you know when you're saying that one of the first persons people that come to my mind is Saint Therese, who yeah. was a patron saint of missionaries who never left the country. Absolutely. So can you talk about that kind of theme and in the way that that a missionary really does? Because I, I want to just like stretch what our common understanding of being a missionary is. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times people think of missionaries as those who go abroad. You know, I've got to go to a, a third world country to be a missionary. And that's not true. That's not what Pope Francis is calling us to do. Like you said, you know, we, we can be missionaries and we are missionaries, you know, just in our everyday life. Um, we can be an electrician, you know, working for Britt Rice and be a missionary disciple right there, you know, in the way that we live our life, the way that we treat others, um, and the way that we, you know, um, even, you don't have to be like crazy overt all the time, you know, but you are known as that person that if I wanted to talk to someone about God, I talk to that person, mm-hmm. you know? And so they like living out that missionary discipleship. You can do it anywhere, even at home. I mean, like, like you said, you know, praying for, um, the salvation of souls, you know, in different ways of, uh, of operating as a missionary right. disciple, but you have that mindset that I'm a disciple first, like I am following Jesus first, right. but that then informs my mission. Like I have to do something to further the kingdom, you know, and that's kind of the missionary discipleship mindset. And you can have that mindset sitting at home, you know, um, you know, we have many people, you know, who are um, bed bound, you know, and that, that they can be missionary disciples as well, like focusing on furthering the kingdom through their prayers, through their suffering and whatnot. Right. You know, when, as you're talking to Matt, one of the things that comes to mind to, for me too, as well, is that, um, if you truly want to be a missionary, the first relationship you look at is that of yours with Christ. 
Amen. You want to be the best missionary you can. What is your relationship with him? And that, that you know, some people are like, what do you mean? I mean, we all kind of process that a little bit differently. Um, I can share for me personally, it's really being a part of the mass and experiencing the love of Christ so profoundly in that moment that it just kind of like enlivens me and fills me with joy and love because you know, just really kind of understanding to the best of my human potential uh, what he's done for us. Uh, the rosary has been really wonderful for me. It's a reflection on his life, helps me to know him more intimately. So folks, if you want to be a missionary and whatever it looks like for your life, the first place to start is continuing to build upon that relationship with Christ. What about you, Matt? I mean, Absolutely. you have, I've just given a little two cents about how Pam does it, but, but no, from like, a guy's perspective. Like what you said, you know, that the personal relationship, like a lot of times we get hung up on that as Catholics because, you know, Baptists, you know, or evangelicals have used that phrase so much that we tend to say, oh, well, that's a, you know, evangelical thing. That's not a Catholic thing. But our popes have been calling us to this for, for years, you know, that we need a personal relationship. I mean, Google personal relationship in Benedict, he said it, you know, John Paul II, he said it, Pope Francis, he's saying it, you know, so this personal relationship is something that we're called to as Christians, as Catholics. And by, by definition, personal relationship looks different for each person. Like you think about your kids and your relationship with your kids. You're the same, right? You're the same person, but your relationship with each kid is personal Mm -hmm. and it's different Mm -hmm. and it's going to look different. And so you can't compare what your relationship looks like to someone else next to you. Like if, if the rosary doesn't feed you, I'm not going to tell you don't pray the rosary, but it may not be what God's calling you to do right now, mm-hmm. you know? So if you, if you're praying the rosary and, and it doesn't like feed you and you feel like you're just going through the motions, put it down for a little bit. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and that's, so that may not be personally where you're at, you know? So my, my personal prayer life and my relationship with Jesus has grown and changed drastically, you know, especially over the last nine years since I've been back here in Texas. And like right now, much of my prayer is just sitting in silence you know, in adoration. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have a rosary. I don't have a book I'm reading. I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting there, you know, and I'm from the outside. It looks like, what are you doing? I mean, you're not doing anything, but it's internal. It's, it's just totally, it's different than what it used to be. Right. Well, it's like the, um, it's like the parishioner told St. John Vianney that I, I gaze at the, I gaze at him and he gazes back at me. I mean, that's, yeah. that's exactly what you're doing. Absolutely. Well, I want to make a little distinction here too, because this is one that was like, you know, being a convert myself, that was a little bit of an epiphany several years ago, because my kids have gone to Catholic school, most of them, most of the time, and they had theology. And as a, as a mom, I'm like, yo, good. They're learning so much about Jesus. They're learning about his church and so forth and so on. The folks, I really want to say that there's a big distinction, and my kids were really brought that out. It says, Mom, I know a lot of this stuff, but I looked at them and like, well, but what's the relationship with Christ like? And they're like, what? What? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you know, I got a plug. I got to say thank you to Ablaze Ministers and the campus ministers there too, because they've really taken that's that's part of their their purpose on um, the campus there at St. Joseph and, and in the churches where they serve is to help to build relationship as opposed to just learning theology. Both are very important. I mean, I really love the theology aspect as well. That nourishes me. But unless um, you start to have real personal relationship or just like 
What does that relationship look like for you? And the first place to start, folks, if this sounds like Greek to you, just go sit in the adoration chapel like Matt's saying and, and ask him. And I don't know. I've always thought is the the voice is a little louder there or the yeah. impression or or you kind of get a guidance um, yeah. a little bit louder when you're sitting in front of. But anyway, let's get back to the convocation. To be, well, sorry. It doesn't have to be that difficult. I mean, yeah. really. I mean, you just like personally, you just say, hey, God, I want more. Like, I want a personal relationship with you. And that's like your prayer. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, start there, you know, just with that desire, you know, for for that. And and then listen. Like, listen to see what, you know, what his response is, you know, what he do, what he does in your life, and pay attention, you know, to what he does in your life. And that's the start. I mean, really, mm-hmm. it's that simple. I mean, it's it's not complicated. Um, so, yeah. And you that's what go- that, no, that's what <clears throat> we got here because we're talking about missionary spirit. Yep. Which is what being um, disciples first, right? Yeah. Which sounds like the convocation really was trying to, you know, fluff up the flame of that in Absolutely. in the Catholic. So um, that's that's probably your largest takeaway. Well, what were some of the more minor takeaways that, like, what do you see that um, you'd really like to bring? Like, when you got back on that plane to come back to the Brazos Valley, what were you thinking, man? I'd like to see us. Or like you know, fill in yeah. the blanks. Sure, there. Were, I mean, there were several things. So they, the way the the convocation was set up is you had plenary sessions where everybody was gathered together, um, and you would have you know uh, a sort of an introduction. You would have a main speaker. You might even have a panel. You'd have a testimony, you know, given by someone that was re- that related to the topic for the panel, and then you'd have questions and answers. And there was an like I, f- I actually forget her name, and I feel really bad about that, but the. The moderator for those um, panel discussions, she was excellent. I mean, she did an outstanding job, you know, in in pulling different things out and asking tough questions, and it was just beautiful to see how that all worked out. And so, the, you would have the plenary sessions, and then we would break up, you know, um, from there. We would have different focuses for different workshops, and the way the workshops were even set up, again, it was very. Um, interactive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you had, you would typically, from what I saw, you had a bishop who was there to open up the the discussion. And then you had a panel, typically of lay people, um, around five, you know, lay people who were up on, uh, up there and they would each give a, a, a little snippet of what they wanted to talk about. And then there would be questions again, you know, from the audience, you know, either done through a microphone or they used flock note as well to, mm-hmm, to send mm-hmm. the messages um, and then you would close with um, another bishop. And so I thought that was really neat. That was one of my takeaways was the bishops were there in the audience listening to what lay people had to say. And Very that was cool. that was really neat to me, you know. And so that was there was a humility there, you know, that I thought was just beautiful. Um, and it was everybody there learning, you know, from the experts, you mm-hmm. know, if you will. Um, and it wasn't this, you know weird hierarchical, we're the experts, you listen to us kind of thing. It was, we're all here as church, you know, wanting to learn, wanting to get better and wanting to be open to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, tell me about one of your favorites. Like what was one of your favorite little, like feel like you learn the most from, if you can. Yeah. I mean, the, it was one of my favorites, not so much because of what I learned, but because of what I did. Um, okay. And so this was neat. So the first one was all about the nuns and it's not N-U-N-S, it's N-O-N-E-S. 
So it's, um, it was about how, and this is not a term that, you know, I have made up. It's a term that the Pew research study has made up is people who classify themselves as not religious as none, like which, which, what, what is your religious affiliation? And their response is none. And so it's kind of the rise of the nuns. We have a lot of, you know, um, former Catholics, a lot of former Christians who are calling themselves unaffiliated. Um, and so that was what the whole discussion was about. And it was really interesting because I, I just tweeted out something and I said, you know, mom and dad, you know, if, um, if you're just going through the emotions, your kids can sense the hypocrisy, get with it and they will too. And it was actually like, I, I like, I've never tweeted anything that got retweeted or anything like that. I'm not really that into it. Um, but this one went like for me went crazy. I mean, a lot of people responded to it. Um, I had an anti-theist, you know, who replied to me, you know, and it was really kind of neat because he was a nun. Like he was raised Catholic. Like I found this out because I started to minister to him and and tried to engage him and not because he was trolling. He was trying to be a jerk, you know, and I responded and I said, hey, you know, were you raised Catholic? Because most likely he was. I mean, just looking at the statistics. And so he actually was. And so it was interesting to have this dialogue back and forth you know, with within a a whole session about nuns, about people who have fallen away. So I got into a dialogue with someone who had fallen away because of a tweet from that. So that was just that was a neat thing yeah. um, to have had happen. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, I was going to ask. It's interesting you said he was an anti-theist because what I was going to ask you was: was there any conversation about even though these people are putting down they're not religiously affiliated? That doesn't necessarily, by definition, mean they're not believers in god or they're not they don't believe in uh the the deism of correct the, the, the god's largest, divine nature yeah the largest portion of the nuns are um religious sorry spiritual but not religious yeah you know you know so that's they still believe in a god or in god and they see themselves as spiritual people mm-hmm. they just aren't religious and so that's why they'll mark none so that's fascinating to me so that was neat. You know, there were several interesting things from that that I – because there was a, a Latina uh, on the panel, and she was talking about the, the large influx, you know, of Latinos that we have here and how 50% of the church is or will soon be um, Latino and what, what kind of implications that might have. And as a youth minister, one of the things that she had said was that you have, you know, young people in the church, you know, teens, you know, even young adults – who are second generation, their main language is English. You know, so they speak English. Mom and dad still speak Spanish mostly. So w- when you have a Spanish mass and the kid goes to the Spanish mass, the kid's not getting as much out of it, right? The kid's not like they may understand most of it or some of it. Um, but then when you have an English mass, mom and dad aren't getting anything out of it. So then no matter what, when they go home, they're not talking about it. Mm. And that's the biggest, that's one of the biggest problems and the biggest mm. hurdles to overcome, you know, as youth ministers, as those who work in with the young churches, how do you get mom and dad and their kid talking when they don't necessarily, um, well, they, they don't have the fir- same first primary language. Now they may understand each other enough to live together, but they, they may not understand each other enough to have religious dialogue. 
Mm. You know, and so mm-hmm. that's an interesting thing that I learned from that. That's it was a, from that nun section. Sure. You know, wow. so that was just kind of a one that's going to influence, you know, the way that we do. Did ministry. she propose any solutions to that? No. no. <laughs> um, my brain just started rattling, you know, through different ways. And I actually, like, we have parent meetings coming up, you know, for the beginning of this next school year. And I'm actually hoping to be at one of those meetings to sit the parents down and, and like and have a translator with me and ask them, like, how do we help you take this home? You know, what is something that you think like realistically we can do? And I'll, I'll propose a couple of ideas, but mm-hmm. um, being of a different culture, you know, it, it will help if it comes from them because they'll know what will work in, in, in their culture, if that makes sense. Well, if I, if I could, I could speak just a little bit about it. You know, uh, working in, in a clinic, we have several Hispanic women who um, do not speak Spanish. So here I'm helping out with Spanish because I've kind of learned it through, <laughs> through the time. Life, so, yeah. so what I would say to parents is, Teach Spanish to your kids. Don't shy away from that because, yeah. you know, as adults, if they don't, they're like, man, I don't know why my folks didn't teach me. This is really cool. So yeah. I, I want to make it cool again to be bilingual. Cause, yeah. I mean, as a little kid growing up in San Marcos on the playground, being one of three kids who did not, who were not bilingual, that's what enlivened me. I was like, yeah. I need to be bilingual yep. and spent the rest of my life trying to be. And I'm still trying, but yeah. uh, you can see what I'm saying. So let's make it cool again to be yeah. bilingual, to to be more diverse like that. Because somewhere along the way, they thought it just – and I'm sure there was like a lot of discrimination. They didn't they didn't want – they wanted their kids just to speak English. But, yeah. So, so that, yeah. that, you know, missionary discipleship, you know, um, kind of mo- theme – was there, you know, in that as well, you know, mm-hmm. in making sure that we're not just, you know, being missionaries to our, you know, uh, culture, if you will. Right. The The next one that I went to was um, with regards to the rural church. Um, and, you said rural? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. You know, and Sorry. what did it sound hey, like? No, no. It's just you said it so quickly. I was like. I think that's what that was. So I wanted to go slower for the audience. <laughs> the uh, But yeah, it was how do you do ministry in, in rural churches? Um, and now I'm conscious of saying <laughs> rural weird. <laughs> like, what am I doing? She's the host. Why did she do that to you? <laughs> um, because a lot of the churches uh, like that we work in in a blaze are, you know, country churches. <laughs> now you've got to say country <laughs> rural. Um, you know, and so how do you work in those, in those churches? And like, this was something that a bishop said. I didn't say this. And so this is one of those things that was like, whoa. He said, we need to get out of maintenance mode. And get back on mission. And that was like, I think that goes for the whole church, mm-hmm. you know, but especially in, in like rural churches where they're, they may not have as much money, you know, as some of the bigger city churches, they may be strapped a little bit for resources. It's really easy to, to kind of turn back in on yourself and, and want to stabilize. I want to just stabilize. I want to hold my ground, you know, and stay here when mm. you're actually called to go out. You're called to be on mission. You're not called to be on maintenance mode. Like right. that was not the, the the final thing Jesus said was, you know, hold on to what you got. Like, that's not what he said. He said, go out and make disciples, you know. And so that, you know, returning to that is hard, you know. And uh, But that was one of the things that, that I thought was pretty bold, you know, to hear a bishop say. Yeah, well, I have another question. I, I heard this actually on um – on Catholic Radio before, and I thought, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way, but I can see how that is. It, the culture changes of the parishes each time you get a new priest. And with this 
rapid turnout. Well, I say rapid. Six years is a short time for me. Six, eight years. Um, but it's pretty rapid. Like with these, when you think about the church as a whole, how you, you know? yeah, yeah, and how you try and build. The, so they address any of those kind of issues to to bring more of okay. So certain areas really do have this. This church has this culture, and we want to try and maintain it. I mean, I know that has to be an issue with youth ministry. You know, being able to have that continuity. So it's basically a continuity issue. Is it is what. I'm feeling, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm thinking, did they talk about that at all? Or they didn't talk about the, the turnover rate or whatnot of uh, just a well, continuity or like that. in general within a, in a parish. It's tough because I mean, even in, I mean, in, in the rural churches, you have, you know, often what you'll have is an influx, you know, of an, of another culture and that culture in, starts to influence that parish. And then the parish that's the people that have been there for so long, they're like, we don't want you to change our church. And it's like, ah, you know, it's not your church, you know, and, and why don't you change with them? Why don't you bring them in and see what, what God is doing with you two together, mm-hmm. you know, rather than push, push them away or, or say that their culture is not valuable. Oh, and when I say culture, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, um, like what we know as a culture, like the Hispanic culture or American culture, you know, some may be younger churches that have more apologetics going on and, yeah. and that can fade out or go away. Or, or maybe there's a, there's a church that, it, um, is a little more uh, open in their style of worship within the congregation. Yeah. And that it's hard. type of culture too. It's hard, you know, when you've, you know, when you see kind of the church through your lens, you know, and you want it to always stay that way. Mm-hmm. Um, when it actually might need to change, you know, a little way, like in, right. in, in your church. Um, so that's, it's tough, like, because you want to protect, you know, that which is, you know, good and true. Um, but then be open to the movement of the Holy Spirit because there may be things that the Spirit's trying to do to bring in a younger church that you're resisting, you know, and uh, and why is it? Why are you resisting it? Like, what is it that's that's keeping you, you know, kind of um, stuck, you know, in, in your way? So that was, you know, kind of interesting um, with regards to the rural church. And it was, um, I, I got to see and meet a couple of people there that um, I'm going to lean on, you know, and try to learn from because of their experience, you know, of working with, you know, right. um, smaller, you know, rural churches. Um, but yeah, well, you know, there was, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no I was going to say, just as a reminder, if you're just now tuning in, we're talking with Matt Rice of Ablaze Ministries, who recently went to Orlando, Florida to participate in the Convocation of Catholic Leadership, I believe is what yep. it was called. Is this something that happens on a regular basis? basis or it was just like you know USCCB I, just said let's do it I hope it happens on a regular basis or I hope this is the start of something new excuse me sorry and also uh, at this time we are no longer taking any phone calls just throw that um, in but the uh, this was the first time this has ever happened you know as far as I know you know, oh, in, okay. in the American church um, sorry the uh, yeah it, the U- United States church America is much bigger than the United States right anyway um, so this is the first time that that's happened, um, as far as I know, but I hope it, it happens. It's not going to happen every year. There's no way to do something this big, you know, every mm-hmm. year, but I hope it happens, you know, more often, you know, than once every, however many hundreds of years. Um, but the, uh, I don't know where I was, sorry, I lost my train of thought on that one, but the, no, like the way it came about was actually interesting. Um, I don't know the the real details about it, but it seemed that 
there were a couple of different offices at the USCCB that were trying to put together a a conference, and they ended up working together to then put this on. It was it kind of morphed and, and transformed yeah. over over time. I still so can't was, believe they got that many bishops all in one place at yeah, the same time. It was yeah, I'm either. It, it, it's amazing. I was terrified a little bit because you know, you, like as far as uh, like somewhere, if you're going to try to damage the church. You know, and yes. take some people out. You know, this would be a, a good place to do that. But security was actually pretty tight. Um, they, uh, yeah, you had to have a badge to come in. There were people that were, you know, blocked out from coming and whatnot. Wow. But uh, yeah, can you imagine like all those bishops together? You know, that would be a pretty any de- any demonstrators outside or rabble rousers or anything like that. I think or there were at the beginning. Peaceful? I didn't see them. I didn't see them at all. We got there like after the start. I heard about you know that there were some you know there, um, but it really didn't. They didn't make much play or take you know much airtime, I guess, for us, you know. So good. Yeah. that's good. The uh, one of the things that I thought was really neat in the last session, I think, um, in the last plenary sessions, one of the bishops, I, I think it was a bishop, um, and forgive me if it's incorrect. I know that Marcel tweeted this one out, but uh, it, that your um, your parish budget is a theological statement. Mm. And that really like hit. It was like, wow, yeah. So what are your priorities? Like, what do you believe mm, in? It's so true. You know, and your budget should, I mean, reflect your that. budget does reflect that. Mm-hmm. You can say that you're mission-minded, but if you don't have anything in the budget, you know, oriented towards going out and making disciples, you are not mission-minded. You know, mm. and so that was something that I thought was really striking and, and convicting, you know, for many people. It's like, wow. So, you know, so there, are, there may be a lot of people on the finance councils, you know, at the area churches um, that are hearing this and thinking, oh, uh, exactly. you know. And so think about that. Like when you're making the budget, like what part, what part of your budget is, is out making disciples? And, you know, uh, like religious education, you know, youth ministry, stuff like that counts. You know, is that RCIA? Absolutely. You know, so how much of that, you know, how much of your budget mm-hmm. is is made, you know, or is committed to um, making disciples, so being on mission? And before we let you go to talk a little bit about you had some, you just had some exciting off the off to the side conversations with different uh, dignitaries and bishops about what you do, and you got a lot of interest from them. Talk. Just to talk up your organization. Sure. And yeah. So at Ablaze, we, I mean, we, great. we are missionaries um, in in the truest sense. I mean, we all, you know, personally fundraise, you know, our support. Um, you guys in this office, I think, support missionaries, you know, at Ablaze. Um, and many people that are listening to this support Ablaze missionaries. And it was, we started, what, six years ago? Um, and I think it was almost around the same time that the joy of the gospel came out, which is what this, the convocation was all about. And uh, as I I'm, I'm, as I was reading it, I was like, "Wow! Like this is what a blaze is. This is what we're mm, doing. Like excellent. we are, yeah. you know." And so that was it was kind of affirming, you know, on that. But as I'm around going around the convocation, like rubbing elbows with bishops on the way to lunch, which was really weird. I mean, yeah. surreal, you know. <laughs> I can't just, imagine just that. like talking with the bishop for five or ten minutes as we walk over to lunch. And you were kissing so many rings at that, <laughs> yeah. at that convocation. Wow! Um, but it was just really neat to share the vision for what a blaze is doing, and it, to see the excitement, you know, in their eyes and in the conversation. Wow! Like, how did you do that? How did you start that? Yeah. You know, what are you? doing and like can we can we do this in our diocese That's terrific. you know uh, is there any i gotta throw this in because i know i can feel it my bones is gonna happen when is it moving to tulsa oh like, <laughs> i don't know about tulsa but <laughs> okay. like, oklahoma may happen okay. like there's uh there like it could be either one but 
Um, I, I'm excited for growth. Like next year, like mm-hmm. I, like if if we haven't, you know, uh, replicated what we're doing here, you know, in Bride College Station, we haven't have, we haven't replicated that somewhere else in the nation. I, I'll be I'll be sad. Um, It'll happen. Yeah. And folks, if you're listening to this, we just ask you to keep Ablaze Ministries in your prayers. Please. If the Holy Spirit wants it to happen, which in my heart I believe it does, it shall grow. It will grow. And if you're listening right now and you're like, what is this sponsorship for a minister, for a missionary, for Ablaze Ministries? I can tell you it's greatly blessed my my own family to pray for and with and kind of adopt um, different missionaries from Ablaze. And I really... I really encourage you to do that as well. It's uh, it's my it really satisfies my mama heart on some of the younger <laughs> yeah. youth ministers where I really feel like a adopted child, so yeah. to speak. So, um, Matt, if someone wants more information on how to sponsor a missionary from Ablaze, what should they do? Sure. Yeah, the website uh, ablazeyouth.org, and then there's a, a donate tab, and on there you can actually see all the missionaries um, listed. On the on the donate tab, the one of the things that that we committed to last year, you know, is that none of our missionaries actually go into the field and start doing work until they're fully funded, and basically that means that they have the their financial needs met, you know, mm-hmm. through their personal support raising, and we have three three new hires, and that's always the the trickiest part is I brought we brought three people on they've they've committed to a blaze, and now they're fundraising. And so they've got to get funded before we're able to put them into ministry this next fall. Mm-hmm. And so the, the three newest are A.J. Barrows. A.J. Barrows. Let's listen, listen up, folks. If one of these yep. names hits you hard, maybe you're Absolutely. called to get on the website and sponsor them. So A.J. Barrows. A.J. Barrows, he would be a high school youth minister when he gets placed. Um, Jalen Gonzalez. Jalen Gonzalez. Jalen Gonzalez okay. would be a middle school youth minister when she gets placed. And then Brian Baudouin. Um, that's a Cajun name, um, I, from what I can tell. Um, he's from Louisiana. Um, I think he's originally from up, up in the Baltimore area, but uh, he would be a mentor, um, a DYM, uh, when he gets placed. So those three are currently really striving for, for funding right now. So Wonderful. Yeah, but like you said, you know, adopting a missionary. Like so many people think missionaries are out you know, in Africa when you've got them right here in your backyard in Bryan College Station because Absolutely. youth culture is mission territory. Right. And I want to le- I want to you know, wrap up this little segment to 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 say folks that don't forget that your own family and extended family under your roof immediate relatives that's your missionary field start there i was really blessed sarah adam put that in my brain not too long ago and just say that look around who is the poorest of the poor whether spiritually um or not in in your family it starts with you personally first and then with your immediate family and then from there excellent absolutely well man i can't thank you enough for for coming on today i was so happy when you said yes i can do this because oh this is so timely and i wanted to hear more about it because i wanted to learn from what you learned from and it's such an exciting moment in the church you know to see that people i I saw someone writing that it's a watershed moment in the church and so it'd be really i'm excited to see you know what god does with this so thanks for having me absolutely be sure of our prayers and continued and I want to let everybody know that I'm I'm super excited to announce that again. <laughs> See, I'm so excited I can announce it twice. I'll be interviewing Father Brian McMaster on my next um, radio show. So until then, I hope that you will go and love your neighbor.